What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to High Speed Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And my name is Ben Bolin. I am a video writer. Scott, I've, yes. got, I've, got, I've got to tell you, um, we both know what's coming up here. We both know what we've been doing mm-hmm. for the past uh, few episodes as we're closing out the year. Yep. Oh, this is, by the way, this is our last episode of the year. It's nice. Very we, good. We, it's nice. been a pretty good year. Yeah. Um, and we've been doing a lot of listener suggestions. We've been really cleaning house with those. Yes, we have. Uh, there are probably one, maybe two people who were wondering if we were going to get to something they asked us to do. Oh, I've got a holiday treat for two people. For two people. I don't know if it's really a holiday treat or anything, but uh, maybe. maybe. We'll just call it that. We'll call it that. Sure. That's festive. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, suggestion, oddly enough, the, this, this is a strange suggestion, and it comes from two different listeners. Uh, but I like it. I'll say I like this suggestion. I think it's a good one. Um, first one uh, is from back in August, late August. Uh, his name is John from Montana. And John wrote in saying that he would like to uh, learn about some farm machinery, uh, some of the uh, technology that goes into agricultural uh, oh, yeah. machines, okay. tractors, combines, things like that. Nice. And then later, this is uh, a couple months later, in December, early December, we got a, a message from Corey, and I'm not sure where Corey is from. It's not in the email, but Corey says that he would like to learn about tractors as well. Um, and that's from early December. Um, but Corey's email here, I'll, I'll read just a little bit of it, not okay. much, but yeah. um, says that um, when you think about tractors, they def- kind of define speed differently because they get the work done faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, right, he's right. That's a good uh, point. For example, the speed which you can cross a field with a plow now is unbelievable compared to what it used to be, um, because now now these things have 600 horsepower, 12 you know 12 wheel tractors with um, you know just compare that to you know one one row you know being pulled by a horse. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so now there's some that can plant 60 rows at a time. Um, also, I'm looking at uh, down the list here: GPS and auto drive functions. So if you have mm-hmm. a huge field. Uh, you could just with a little bit of programming, you can program this thing to be accurate up to you know plus or minus one inch of accuracy, to where you know where everything is planted, every every seed is planted, every row is is uh, laid down. So he says there are even auto guided machines where you don't even have to have operators. You just 
program them and let them go, let them do the work for you. Um, but there's just a, a ton of material on, on new modern tractors here. Mm-hmm. And anyways, that's a good idea, Corey, I thought. Anyways, and we will uh, we'll talk about tractors, but of course you knew we wouldn't jump right in with the modern stuff. No, that's not our style. No, not exactly. So we're going to go back a little bit further. Let's go back a little further. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben, for the, uh, the peanut gallery stuff there. That's, that's good. But we're going to go back um, probably to, let's go back to the 1800s. 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 And the only reason we need to go back that far is because that is when a rather unlikely farm machinery manufacturer was born. Any guess? You probably do have a guess. I have a guess, but I want to save it. Okay. Ferdinand Porsche was born in 1875. And uh, why are we talking about Porsche? This is the Porsche, exactly what you think of, the car manufacturer. Really? Yes. Yep. Why are we talking about him? Because in the 1930s, now this is well into automobile production. Yeah. Um, because I think his first vehicle was actually in 1900. So he was a young man at the time, 25 years old. Remember we talked about the world's first hybrid? Yes. It was Ferdinand Porsche uh, with the loaner Porsche, that uh, that hybrid gas electric vehicle. Yes, yes. Um, in the 30s, this is you know 34 years later, he decided that um, he was going to start building farm machinery. So that's what he did. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, I know. It's, I, he, at the same time as he started working on the people's car, which was the Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in Germany, remember. Um, he started working on the people's tractor as well because there was a need for um, you know, economical, dependable tractors at the time. And that was the idea behind the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people's car, people's tractor. So the projects were simultaneous. And um, so in 1934, he was already building these prototype tractors. Which might sound kind of strange to people living today, but, you know, nowadays a lot of people live in a way that's, that's removed from agriculture mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't really possible back during that time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's right. So a tractor, it, it makes tremendous economic sense for a manufacturer to also make tractors just because in certain parts of the world, people would be much more likely to buy a tractor than they would an automobile. <laughs> You're exactly right, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, you know, that... They built tractors from, they, they produced vehicle uh, tractors, well, they started in 34, but the production numbers from 1948 until 1963, which is when the tractor production ended for Porsche, they built around 120,000 tractors, Porsche did. And I've, I've seen some of these in person before. You've seen them? I have. I've, there's a Porsche dealership here in town in, in Roswell, Georgia, and they have a, uh, a weekend car show event that, you know, I have sometimes you know stopped in at and they have a Porsche tractor that they bring out for that and I don't know if it's someone I don't know if it's owned by the dealership I don't know, know if it's um, owned by you know a private individual that brings that to the show but um, it's it's really cool they've got a very distinctive look to them and if you look up you know Porsche tractor online you'll see these photos of, of the Porsche tractors and what they they have real real um, just I, I, like I said a distinctive front end mm-hmm. um, that you, you won't mistake it you'll you'll know it's a Porsche tractor Scott, you know, I think you told me about this. I think you told me about going to the show and seeing this tractor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably did because it's it's something you don't see very often. They're 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 highly coveted by collectors. I imagine um, they're restored. They're very valuable. Um, I think they sell. I've got a, a note here. And this is from the, you know, Porsche. There's a, there's a registry, as a matter of fact, uh, wow. to keep these things, you know, keep them going to mm-hmm. to kind of track where they all are because. You know, if you find one, if you find one that's unrestored or if you find one that's restored, they want to kind of keep tabs on where that vehicle is so that it doesn't just disappear again. Um, but a restored 
tractor is somewhere in between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars and if you get one that's unrestored you can find one for about five to six thousand dollars so not outlandishly priced but if you're you know if you're in the city and you want to buy a tractor as a project i mean I don't know. It might be a good idea. It's kind of a fun yeah. thing to do. Just spend some time on it. Be ready to spend yeah. some time yeah, on exactly. something. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure finding parts isn't all that easy. But, you know, through the registry, that type of thing helps us. You That's know. probably a great resource. Exactly. Now, they quit building tractors in 1963. Mm. There's another manufacturer that you'll be... Well, you probably won't be because you, you were looking up the stuff with me. But I think our listeners might be surprised. You want to oh, hit them with it? This is my favorite. No, Go ahead. You what? Do what? You, no, you do it. it. You do it. There, there's, a, there's an auto manufacturer now that built tractors or builds tractors. Mm-hmm. It's going to blow your mind if you don't know about it. Let's just say a very well-known manufacturer now yeah. um, came from the humble beginning of, humble. of manufacturing tractors. Very humble beginning. Um, the, uh, the son of a grape farmer. The son of a, son of a grape farmer, born in 1916. Uh, didn't start car production until 1960s, mm-hmm. but we're talking about um, um, tractor manufacturing or you know just building these one-off tractors uh, right around the World War II time, which keeps coming up now in our podcast. Right, right. But um, and then in about 1950 or so is when the the big production started to hit. But you want to know who this guy is? Wait, can we get a can we get a drum roll? Ferruccio Lamborghini. Did you guys hear that? Lamborghini. Exactly. Lamborghini. So Lamborghini makes tractors. And they, they currently make tractors. You can buy a brand new Lamborghini tractor this year if you wanted to. I did not know that. It's it's been it has been sold off. It's not manufactured by the same automobile company. There's some type of a split there that happened okay. at some point in history. But it was the same manufacturer. It was the founder of the Lamborghini Automobile Company that, that started out building tractors in, uh, like I said, right at the end of the war. So you're talking like the mid-1940s, 1945. Um, the idea was that he wanted to, you know, he, he's back in Italy now after the war, and uh, he started using some of these leftover military engines to produce tractors, which the country desperately needed at the time in order to get back on its feet, yeah. you know, to uh, just get things going again. And uh, he was kind of developed this. He was doing them one at a time in just an old barn, you know, building these tractors. And um, by the time, well, he went to a technical school. So, you know, he had this knowledge, this, this technical knowledge. By the time 1949 came around, he had enough money from building these individual tractors that he was able to build a factory. And the factory initially was able to build just one tractor a day. So it had very, very low production numbers at the, yeah. at the time. Uh, but by 1958, so you're talking just you know nine years later, eight years later, um, the factory was building 1,500 tractors each year. So 1,500 tractors every year were being produced by that factory. So uh, remarkable increase in production, Definitely. and um, you know it, it took off. So it was big for him. Um, they were known for reliability, high quality, because you know everything was being made. All the parts were being made within the factory. He wasn't outsourcing any of that stuff. He was building everything himself. It was a, it was a scratch-made tractor, wow. um, which is pretty remarkable. And they were, they were well-known for reliability. Um, now, he, in 19, by 1969, that same factory was making um, 5,000 tractors each year. So the production increased that much more. However, it was sold to um, a different company in 1972 because... Uh, there's something about a, a shipment or something that was uh, a lost order or something like that, mm-hmm. and the, the founder, he lost 
kind of lost uh, confidence in the whole thing that it would really work anymore. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the real deal or the real story yeah. is with this because it seems like one lost order or one uh, miscommunication wouldn't shake your, you know, yeah, it wouldn't make you shut the whole operation down. Exactly. I, I don't know. But he sold it. He sold the company in 1972. But by that point, he was already manufacturing cars because he had this interest in automobiles. So in 1963, he founded the automobile, uh, the automobile side of Lamborghini, which is what we're familiar with now, mm-hmm. or most of us are familiar with. Um, you know, the the supercars, the exotics. Yeah. And um, you know, from 1963 on, it's been history since then. But you can still buy a Lamborghini um, tractor to this day if you want to. You can go on the Lamborghini tractor site and order one. You know what? I bet you. I I'm not sure what to bet you in regards to this wager, but. We could reasonably assume that there is someone who owns a Lamborghini tractor and thinks it is hilarious to oh. tell people that they own a Lamborghini. I think you're probably right. I, you know what? It probably would be kind of funny. I, you know, I, would, I wouldn't go out of my way to do it, but uh, <laughs> if I did own a tractor, I, it, it would be nice, especially if they're still as reliable as they were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that they are. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't mm. speak for the quality, but I'm, I'm sure that they probably still are. They, they keep up that tradition, you know. And one thing that's different, um, and I'm glad we touched on this subject of reliability, because one thing that is a primary difference between farm machinery, farm vehicles, and a lot of automobiles um, is the emphasis really on practicality and consistent performance. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a, as you know, a lot of people will buy a car for their day-to-day needs and then they'll have their weekend car, you know, their baby that comes out to get get a car wash and it, it may not be the fastest. It may even, there's some people who love their Edsels, Scott, mm-hmm. and they're used to just fixing them and fixing them and fixing them. Oh, yeah, but the, the reliability thing is what really, that's that's exactly, you're, you're speaking to the heart of what got him into the automobile yeah. uh, manufacturing business. And you know the story too, right? I you want you to tell it. I yeah, like are you it sure? Yes. I mean, yes. because it's 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 pretty simple, really. I mean, he was he was a uh, an aficionado of automobiles mm-hmm. because he I'm, I'm sure he had this this uh, you know very profitable tractor company going, and he owned Maseratis, he owned um, you know a, a lot of different types of cars, but he owned a couple of Ferraris, and these Ferraris that he had, these were like um, you know 1960s mm-hmm. Ferrari 250 GTs, and I think he had another. Ferrari of some kind, another, another. I forget which model he had, but um, he was having some trouble with uh, with maintenance on these things. He was he was decided that he hated the clutch in the vehicle. He took it in for maintenance, and you know they when they would do the maintenance, I guess they would uh, they would take it away from him. They could, he couldn't see it happening. He yeah. didn't know what was going on, and um, they bring it back, and you know it'd, it'd work for a while, and then it'd break again. And he said, "Well, something's not right here. You know, I'm paying a lot of money for this car. It's supposed to be the the best in the world. Right? What's going on? I can do this better." And uh, he, he said, I, I do it better with my tractors. Let me do it better with my own cars. And he decided, I'm going to develop my own car company. So that's kind of, so this, I guess the, uh, the unreliability of his Ferraris led mm-hmm. to the, you know, the, him building his own, his own vehicle, his own car, mm-hmm. based on the idea that he wanted to make a, a reliable vehicle that would, that would stand up to everyday use. You know what's funny about that story, Scott? The way that I heard it originally he told them, you know, you guys are making really crappy clutches. I could do a better job. And he said, oh, well, you should. And then, <laughs> unfortunately, or to their surprise, he went and did it. Yeah, because he was talking directly to Enzo Ferrari, right? 
Because he was right yeah. there at the heart. He was right there yeah. at the factory saying, "There's something wrong with this car." Yeah. Um, so he's probably you know being this boisterous to the uh, to the mm-hmm. founder of of Ferrari and saying, "What's going on here, guys? With quality, I can do it better." I hope they I hope they became friends <laughs> over the years. That'd be I nice hope to so. Think so. That'd uh, be nice. You know what though? We've got. You know, I'm a sucker for a Lamborghini Ferrari, as are you. Um, but. We told these guys we were going to talk some about some farm equipment. Yeah, enough history. Let's move do, on. Do you want to talk yeah, about combine history? Give his- me some of the com- modern stuff. Okay, I'd, you want the modern I, stuff. I, I like some modern high-tech stuff because uh, you know it all over there. Oh, well, thanks, man. I actually I don't want to go in too much detail, but let's talk about combine harvesters. Because okay. when people – I don't know about you, but when I think of automated farm machinery and stuff, I'm thinking of what Corey wrote to us about, which um, it blew my mind at first. I didn't – I. I'm not saying I didn't believe it, but I didn't believe it was as efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's absolutely right. So first, uh, and won't do too much history, but just just so people know, the reason that combine harvesters are so um, so brilliant is that they can save so much time for a farmer. Uh, it, it does basically six major operations that normally you would have different people doing, and they would take forever, and they would take more than twice the time and do less than half wow. of the work yeah six six different operations yeah. all in that one vehicle yeah it uh was doing that much yeah it cuts uh standing grain then it feeds the grain the cut grain to a threshing unit which threshes and re-threshes the seeds from the heads of the of the grain you know and then it's separated from the straw and then the threshed grain is cleaned and then it's collected for handling wow and so you know now, now we're doing the modern stuff, so we can't go back. But just so you know, <laughs> it was a huge pain in the butt Got for it. hundreds of years. And um, so let's go into some of the – and just a second. Now I'm the guy with the notes. Okay. Uh, just, just for a second, let's go into some of the modern stuff. Uh, let, me, let me tell you why uh, – let me give you just some, just some numbers here and then ask you how much you would pay for this. Okay, so <laughs> okay, you like that? Price. You so like I've got to uh, yeah. keep a running tally here. Keep keep a little bit of a running tally, just okay. a little bit. Okay, first off, all combines have uh, these removable heads that are designed for different crops, right? And so when you get a combine, your get a combine harvester, you're also thinking ahead, depending on what kind of crop you have, about switching the head out because there's not a universal one. Okay, that's ideal for everything. Mm-hmm. Those big pointed right right terrible looking things look like they could just and man we're talking we're talking these bad boys are 60 feet across they they have nowadays they do have gps and it's within the one one inch tolerance um and i don't have the specific brands there but that's Mm -hmm. that's quite common not only are the cabins air conditioned but the cabins are also slightly pressurized so that when you open the door and stuff air blows out so that chaff and dust don't oh, come in. Very nice. Keeps the uh, interior clean. Yeah, it's such a small idea, hmm. but it is so important to that's me. Really that's really smart. I wish I could get that in the Monte Carlo, man. That would be awesome. We'll see what we can do. Thank you, Scott. We will <laughs> see. You know, you know, it, it is it's the probably just a fan. It is the holiday season. So you have this thing that will hypothetically, Scott, you farmer Benjamin, mm-hmm. uh, you have uh, you have something that will save you the work of of six different groups of people it'll do it in less than half the uh probably less than half the time you'll be able to sit there and ride in it it might even drive itself Hmm. and it can go across we're talking 
anywhere from 30 to honestly like 60 feet across wow um it's pretty big yeah so how how much uh how much would you pay i wouldn't somewhere? go a penny over three and a half million <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding i just wanted to throw out a huge number <laughs> we can go I'll yeah say, well, you know what so those are big I'll, I'll i'll say they're big like uh like yacht big so i'm gonna guess five hundred thousand dollars I'm going to give you a one-time offer because we are friends, mm-hmm. and and this is this is reasonable. Um, New Holland has some has models that go from uh, just 164,000. Really? Yeah, and these well, are smaller. These aren't necessarily the behemoths, but I'm saying there are there are levels, just like with cars or with boats. Yeah. Oh, that's a bargain. It. You know what? It's a good thing that it is uh, a bargain because if you think about it, um, one of the reasons that uh, I both th- I, I thought this was such a great uh, listener suggestion for us to look at is that the evolution of farm equipment really has been one of the only reasons that we are able to feed all the people that live on the planet. Yep. As often as we can. Yeah, you're exactly right because um, you know just looking at the machinery of even. I don't know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, Um, or even go back further than that. Think of the ones that you see at the state fair, maybe. Oh, yeah, The steam-powered engines with Mm -hmm. the uh, the cast iron wheels. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. The the huge eight-foot wheels that are are cast iron with treads molded right into them. Um, Those things, I mean, they're enormous and everything, but you know they're not nearly as efficient as what we have now. Um, and they've just progressed and progressed and progressed as it, as it needed to. Uh, it kind of makes you wonder where they're going to go in the next 10 years or so. You know, what's going to happen? You know what? That is an excellent question. And I think that uh, Corey did such a good job on listener's suggestion that I, I I don't feel like I'm stealing his thunder, but only because we mentioned him first. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are going into automation. For for the larger agribusinesses, uh, it it just makes sense at this point because when you buy something like this of this expense it's almost like buying an airplane or something a small aircraft because you're kind of assuming that you will be using this thing for years and years because it's not like a car you know people will buy a car or lease a car which we have a podcast about as well and then they'll get rid of it you know in 10 12 years yeah depending on you know how they drive so, it so you're talking about a tractor that is fully automated you don't even drive it you, you just don't let it go. you more like you program it and it has a spot where you can sit in it if you want but it can also go there now now before ah uh, okay before we get into you know i know it seems like a brave new world of robot cars there but before um we just assume that's the end all be all this when we talk about these kind of machines we're talking more about massive harvests of grain of corn and wheat but you know as you know there's a lot more focus in several developed countries on localized agriculture organic foods and um our brother podcast stuff you should know does a pretty cool uh little bit about organic foods but there are other types of approaches to farming and you and i are we're we're really focusing on the tractors and the combines because first off combines are super cool yeah they are cool i don't care what anyone says Mm -hmm. i would i would love to drive one um especially now that driving one would mean that i could if i had if i had a farmer program it for me i could just be along for the ride (laughs) that's right but that would be no fun to me see 
I'm, you could probably see I'm wringing my hands. You are wringing your hands. And the reason is because I'm just thinking of all the things that could go wrong with a with an automated tractor, an automated combine out in the field. Yeah. There's a lot of potential for trouble there, I think. I mean, I know it's down to science, but mm-hmm. I, I got to say I would much rather be in control of that, but that's me. That's or, just, or if you own that property, you would much rather have somebody working for you in there. Exactly. I, w- I wouldn't want that thing out on its own where anything could – I mean – I don't know, kids wander out in front of it or, uh, you know, you left your, your ranch truck parked out in the middle of the field or something and, mm-hmm. it, and it runs over it. Um, I know that probably doesn't happen. but Yeah, I imagine you know, there are people in there spotting it. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. They, I, they have to be. I, I think so. I mean, I, I just I have trouble giving up the control like that, as you know mm-hmm. from the uh, uh, the automated car episode. Yes, and yes. I just, I don't know. I, just, I don't think I could let it go like that. I, I would have trouble even with, you know, what's that vacuum that vacuums your room? Uh, Roomba. Oh, okay. I couldn't, I couldn't let that happen. Really? Are you no. serious? No. That's crazy, man. Those things are awesome. Uh, I want one. Yeah, probably. But. I, I want one, but I don't think, um, I don't think any animals that I have in my house would tolerate it. Mm. It would be seen as an enemy, an encroacher. Yeah. So who knows how they would react around a, a combine harvester. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I hope they would have the sense to stay away. Mm. Plus, this really got I, this really got me thinking about the uh, the all the different um, types of skills that are actually needed to work in agriculture, and it's really good for us to take a look at that. Have you ever have you ever driven a tractor, Ben? We'll we'll make this the uh, the, the quick the, wrap the up here. Would, but okay, yeah, um, you ever driven a tractor? No, but I I rode in one with because since I'm from Tennessee, my my grandparents had a farm, and that's why I asked. Yeah, I figured you're, you're in that kind of region that you might have. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't get to drive it though. I was too young. I mean, I had a, a small garden tractor for a while. You know, just really? a little just, you know, mow the yard type garden oh, tractor. Okay. Yeah. And when I grew up, I I spent summers on a farm in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time on a tractor before I even learned how to drive a car. Um, but nothing as big as these cool combines. I've seen them. I've seen them operating, but mm-hmm. I've never even gotten a ride in one. Um, but I think I think it'd be really cool to be, you know, 20 feet up. Yeah, doing an entire field for an afternoon mm-hmm. or whatever. I think it'd be, I think it'd be fun. I'd, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing what that's all about. It's not even a driver's seat. It's a command center in there. A command center. It's like a. It's like you're in the cockpit of a plane, really. Yeah, and yeah, really cool. Kind of are in terms of size. Check out the uh, check out the new combines online, and you'd be mm-hmm. surprised to to see the progression. Of, you know where they are now because there's a lot of technology going into these things. More, uh, well, you know, you're looking at like the top end cars. Like what's mm-hmm. what's available in the top end. Um, cars that you see every day on the road in farm machinery now. So, um, you know, they've had humble beginnings, but they've, they've come to the point where they're just these, uh, you know, top of the line, almost exotic yeah. uh, farm machinery. It's, yeah. it's really, really cool. So if you haven't if you haven't seen these yet or you haven't gotten a chance to take a look at them, please, please, just even an Internet search, call somebody you know. Because uh, these, these are <laughs> Call somebody cool. you know, yeah. Yeah, call, well, don't call a stranger. I guess yeah. you could. Yeah. But uh, I guess that about wraps it up for us today. Sure. That's and all I've got on tractors. Right? And for this year, huh? Uh, and for the year, yeah, that's yeah. right. So thanks again for tuning in, everybody. We Happy hope- New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, we hope that you have had fun listening to the show over the past year. And uh, if you have anything you'd like to tell us, any topics, any suggestions, as always, please send uh, our whole crew an email at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.
Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.